Icon family and friends, we are beginning a new series uh, called Come Follow Me. We wanted to start this series uh, during the same time as Lent because Lent is a season in which people are thinking about and observing what it means to prepare their hearts for the resurrection. Lent is a period of time of 40 days, beginning on Ash Wednesday to the Saturday before Easter. And so when people begin to engage that part of the liturgical calendar, uh, they take that time to observe and prepare. But what are they observing and what are they preparing? Because that should inform what it is they want to give up if they choose to engage that way. And so we are hoping for the next six weeks to walk through examples of what it means to follow Jesus. Why do we follow? How do we follow? In, in engaging in Lent, we're observing and preparing, but what are we preparing to do? That should be the question. Whatever it is that you are giving up for Lent, it should be preparing you to do something better. And ultimately, what it means to follow Jesus is what it means to respond to Jesus. And how do we respond? Well, I submit there are three areas in which we respond to Jesus. We've talked about it before. We respond intellectually. We respond emotionally and we respond volitionally. In other words, to follow Jesus is to respond to him rightly in our thoughts, in our feelings, and in our actions. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to look at what it means to follow Jesus in our thoughts, in our feelings, and in our actions. But today, I want to start with a passage that we have gone through before in our John series, but I wanted to drill down a little bit deeper into it because what it means to follow Jesus in many ways can be confused based on how we view following or being a follower. And I say that because today it is a common critique and a, a, a common kind of negative pejorative to refer to someone as a sheep, right? Whenever there are people who love to extol their individuality and their ability to think for themselves, they will normally levy this critique against you or anyone else who doesn't do what they're doing. And that is, at least I'm not a sheep. Don't be a sheep. Don't follow the herd. Avoid the herd mentality. Instead, be a free thinker. Don't be a follower. Be, be an individual. Think for yourself. Do your own research. All these kinds of things that in and of themselves may not be bad, but when you start learning how to follow Jesus, it might make you miss them altogether. Now, throughout the book of John, uh, G, responses to Jesus, they vary widely. There are lots of ways that people respond to Jesus. But listen to what Jesus calls those who are his. Look at what he calls them to. He really does call them into something that should challenge our view of how we see sheep and how we look at free thinking and our own ability to think properly and rightly. So uh, take a look at, uh, we're going to start at John chapter 10, uh, verses 22 through 30. And afterwards, we're going to look at just what it means to be a sheep and whether or not it's a bad thing at all to be one. Chapter 10, verse 22. 
Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you're not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I said before, when when you look at John's gospel, uh, Jesus says things like this. And people's responses are very different. Uh, They're no different, really, than the ways that we are all prone to respond in all the variety of ways that we respond. And so you see these on display in chapter 10. Now, keep in mind, leading up to here, Jesus has been in Jerusalem. Uh, He has been spending time during these festivals. We know that he got there when he arrived for the Festival of Booths. We see that in chapter 7. He was teaching regularly in the temple. Uh, His teaching caused a lot of discussion. People were curious about his identity, his origin, even his authority. And they were looking at his results, and those results that he was getting were causing all kinds of division among the people. Some people believed he was the Messiah. Others believed he was demon-possessed. And even worse, some people thought he was a blasphemer. They thought he deserved to die. So you've got the first part of Jesus' kind of good shepherd discourse here in John 10. And there is still, similarly, this divided response. We see this in the text. Some people were divided because of the words that he said. Many of them were saying, he has a demon. He's out of his mind. Why should we even listen to him? And then other people were saying, these can't be the words of somebody who has a demon. I mean, who can open the eyes of the blind? Now, we don't know how much time passed between that early discussion and the, and the discourse that starts to pick up here in verse 22. We just know that it takes place during this time of the festival called the, the dedication, right? That's what we know today as Hanukkah. So here Jesus is, it's the wintertime, and he's, he's at the temple, And eventually he makes his way, verse 23, into Solomon's colonnade, also known as Solomon's porch. And so you've got uh, several Jewish people who have gathered around him. And they're asking Jesus to put an end to this debate that they've been having. The debate about his identity. Can you just, uh, don't keep us in the dark anymore. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, just tell us, right? Verse 24, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Just let us know. We feel like there's a lot of parables. We feel like there's a lot of secret squirrel stuff. We just want to know for sure who you are. Why? Because if we're confident in who you are, then we'll know how to respond. If I'm confident in who you are, then I'll know whether I can follow you or not. And that's normal. We all feel that way. If I'm going to have to follow someone, and I'll get to it in a minute, but we all follow someone, by the way. Everybody's a sheep. Everybody follows something. But if I'm going to follow you, I want to be clear who you are. So they're asking, if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Now, now the problem here is that it really doesn't matter what Jesus says or does during this time. 
The debate never ends. Jesus responds and he says, I've already told you. He said, the works I've done in my father's name testifies to who I am, but you didn't believe because you really weren't my sheep. Now, this is where we have to spend some time because ultimately we think, some people can think, if I just, you know, if I'm talking to someone, if I can argue the right point, right? If I can feel the right thing, if I can do the right thing, then maybe we'll get clarity. Maybe the argument will be won. Jesus doesn't take that approach. And that's why the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus, they're open to so many different interpretations. Because you've got that the earlier chapter that makes this abundantly clear. If you remember what happened in chapter 9, Jesus heals this man who was born blind. And if you remember, the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders called the Pharisees, uh, they start really questioning and they start immediately looking at the fact that Jesus broke a certain law in their mind by healing on the Sabbath. So therefore, he must be a sinner. He, they immediately go, well, the letter of the law says this. He seemingly violated the letter of that law. He must be a sinner. And then other people are thinking, well, if he's a sinner, how in the world can he perform these kind of signs? How is it possible that he can... That he can uh, do some of these incredible things uh, and, and heal people and bring sight to someone. How is that possible? And so now, and then you see the blind man gradually comes to realize who Jesus is. And in the end, he starts worshiping him as Lord. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see. And those who do see may become blind. Now, we have a tension here between God's initiative uh, and, and human responsibility. And that's not resolved in John's gospel and maybe even not <laughs> resolved in the entire Bible. But it's only with the eyes of faith that we can see the truth concerning Jesus. If you belong to Jesus and you can hear and recognize his voice and follow him, you've been given to Jesus by the Father. Everything depends on God's initiative here. Right? And so it's important. We remember back in John 3, God sent the son of the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So, so it's hard to resolve the tension necessarily with where God's initiative begins and where God's sovereignty begins and where our response and decisions uh, come in. But here's what can happen from a preaching perspective. As a preacher, what my job is to do is to declare the promise that creates faith and sustains faith. Because that's the promise that the good shepherd gives in giving us eternal life, right? The promise that no one can snatch us out of his hand. And so as a, as a preacher, what the preacher does is help other sheep discern the shepherd's voice in the midst of all the other voices that clamor for their attention. Many of those voices are claiming to speak for God. And those voices are many. But we don't always realize just how contrary those voices are to the voice of God. And so, so often there are voices that are telling us other ways to grow closer to God, right? Having this specific prescribed religious experience or believing the correct doctrine over here or reaching some higher level of knowledge or some higher level of morality. But contrastly, the Good Shepherd tells us that everything depends on belonging to him. So 
Our status before God never depends on how we feel. It never depends on having the right experience. It never depends on whether or not we have doubt. It never depends on whether or not we've accomplished certain things. It really depends on only one thing, that we are known by the shepherd. What does he say in verse 28? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Now the voice of the good shepherd, it's a voice that liberates far more than it oppresses. The voice of the good shepherd doesn't say, do this, and then maybe you'll be good enough to be one of my sheep. Instead, it says, you belong to me already. No one can snatch you out of my hand. So if we're secure in this belonging to him, we're free to live this abundant life that Jesus talked about earlier in the chapter, right? I came to have life and that they would have it abundantly. This abundant life that Jesus speaks about, it's not necessarily abundance in years or abundance in wealth, abundance in status, or even abundance in accomplishments. This is a life that is abundant in the love of God made known in Jesus Christ. It's a love that overflows to other people. It's eternal life because the source of that is God who's eternal. And it's in Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. Now, among all the other voices that might evoke fear, that might make demands, that might give advice, the voice of the Good Shepherd is a voice of promise. It's the only one that brings a real promise, the voice that calls us by name and claims us as God's own. Now, given all of this, it is so important that we acknowledge the fact that how we view the idea of being a sheep is going to impact how we view following Jesus. You see, most people, when they say, don't be a sheep, be an individual thinker, the assumption they're in is that they, that they are not a sheep, that they have uh, figured out a way to live life without having to follow anyone. But the truth of the matter is that we are all sheep. Every single one of us is a sheep. We are following something and probably some things now, in some cases, maybe we can't identify specific people we're following because we're following ourselves. We're still a sheep following ourselves as the shepherd. We think that we know where to go and we're following whatever internal things or experience that we've had. And we trust ourselves to do that. And so what Jesus is interesting that out of all the things that Jesus could have used to describe himself, to describe us, I'm sorry, to describe us and the way that he views us. He could have used any other animal to create this picture, but instead he chose a sheep. Now, how do sheep function? There's a story about someone from the West who was visiting the Middle East and they were watching shepherds uh, leading their flocks into a sheepfold, as they call it, and they would mix together. And there were different shepherds that would open the gate using their own unique word, right? One shepherd would call their particular flock and only the sheep belonging to the shepherd would respond. They would come out and they would follow that shepherd. And so the visitor was amazed and he asked one of the shepherds, why were the sheep so responsive? And the shepherd explained, well, the sheep, they know the voice of their shepherd, so they won't follow any other." So the visitor tried calling the sheep using the shepherd's familiar word, but the sheep didn't budge. 
Then the shepherd called and, 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 and called them with his own word. And sure enough, out they came. While the other sheep, not belonging to his flock, remained in the sheepfold. The visitor was so impressed. Asked if there's ever a time when the sheep uh, will follow anyone else's voice. And the shepherd said, well, yeah, they'll follow somebody else's voice only when they're sick. Sick sheep will follow anyone. Listen, human beings, we, we are a giant fold of lost flocks of sheep. We are all heart sick. And so we will follow any number of shepherds that are not Jesus. We will follow anyone. That's why when we live in a world full of potential shepherds, potentially bad shepherds, it is our job to know the voice of the good shepherd. We need to understand who the good shepherd is. We need to know that the good shepherd has come. He's standing at the gate and calling with a word of intimate love and care. But heart sick people who can't discern his voice are following hirelings that only care about their own gain. And so really when Jesus calls us to follow him, and we'll see this throughout this series, the question really is who or what are you following? Everyone follows something. Everyone is following something. Now, it's interesting when you look at how sheep function, we typically think of kind of the precious moments version of sheep. We think of the sheep, you know, precious and pure. And they are when they're born, this precious purity about a sheep. But very shortly after a sheep comes into existence, the sheep starts to get really dirty really quickly. The sheep rarely know where to go, rarely know how to take care of themselves rarely know how to avoid danger unless they find a real shepherd and unless they become comfortable with that shepherd. This is what Jesus calls us. He doesn't call us sheep just so that we can be a precious moment sheep. He calls us sheep so that we would recognize just how dirty we're prone to be outside of following him. Just how lost we're prone to be outside of following him. Just how much in danger we're prone to be outside of following him. It's really important as we go into this series to understand what it means, what it means truly to follow Jesus so that we can find real safety and real trust in his hands. What does he say again? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. One of the things we have to be careful of because we see things that happen badly and poorly and people who are abusing power, it's easy to go, I saw a crowd of people follow a bad shepherd. And because they followed a bad shepherd, I therefore say following people is the problem. That's not necessarily true. Uh, it doesn't even logically follow that way. It's not always bad for herd mentality to occur. If the herd is aware that there's danger and the herd moves in a different direction, it's not a bad thing to follow the herd as long as you trust that the herd is following the right shepherd. So if there's a group of people who are experts in one thing and the herd by and large goes, I trust that these experts know what they're doing and they've demonstrated that time and time again. So I'm going to trust them. 
It is not a negative thing to follow the herd. Some people uh, think that there's value in just being a contrarian for the sake of being a contrarian. That's foolishness. It's not wisdom. So when the herd, if you will, is following Jesus, then we follow. When a shepherd, an under-shepherd, is following the good shepherd, then we follow. Anytime people deviate from the good shepherd, then we deviate. So there are times to question the herd. If the herd is going in a direction that is not following the good shepherd, then we do make a difference. We do make a change. But by and large, just the nature of being sheep is not bad. The question is who your shepherd is. So let's think through this. We are heart sick. We are desperately in need of the right shepherd. We are all following something. And so when Jesus comes, he heals our heart so that we can hear his voice. He heals our heart so that we can follow him. That's one of the reasons why we see in the scriptures it says, talks about Jesus knocking at the door. It talks about not hardening our heart. Why? Because ultimately it is only Jesus who can lead us to a place of rest, to a place of peace, and a place of real provision. And so when, we, uh, when you look at what it is that Jesus has promises, he promises that we won't be snatched. He promises that we won't be stolen. He promises that we have been given to him by the Father, the Father who is greater than all. So when we know the right voice and we know the right shepherd, we won't be drawn away. We will be like the example that we just heard. Other voices can come. Other people can call out to us. Others, other ideas can even be attractive, but we don't move until we hear the shepherd's voice. As we talk about what it means to follow, stop denigrating the idea of following. Stop denigrating the idea of, of uh, someone else uh, speaking into our lives and giving us direction. You cannot be your own map. You cannot be your own ways. You cannot be your own GPS. You cannot be your own navigation unit. It has to be God. It has to be the good shepherd. Otherwise, you are sealing your doom. So may we be a people that continues to ask God to heal our hearts, to make us people that realizes our reliance on the good shepherd. May we be a people that realizes how prone we are to go astray outside of the good shepherd's voice and the very spirit of God reminding us over and over again where he is and empowering us to follow him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, loving us where we are, seeing us as sheep, seeing us beyond the precious moments picture of sheep, but sheep that are dirty, sheep that oftentimes are uh, uh, soiled, sheep that oftentimes are uh, struggling through what it means to have real direction. And God, I pray that you would uh, continue to heal our hearts, continue to enlarge, and, uh, enlarge uh, our view of you. Lord, empower us to respond to you properly as we approach the resurrection. May, may what we do during Lent be a microcosm of what we do throughout the rest of the year. May we respond thinking the right things about you. May we respond feeling the right things about you. May we respond acting in a way that shows that we are led by you. 
in the ways that we love one another. Father, I pray that you would recalibrate our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our feelings and all of those things and our actions. I pray that you would recalibrate those to, to indeed look like a sheep that is led by the good shepherd and not being led by ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Receive this benediction uh, from God for you right now. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It is to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. And all of God's sheep said, amen and amen. God bless you.